Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So as we continue our summer series, Gifts, uh, and we look at what it looks like to be a people that are living by the Spirit, we've looked at love and joy, and this morning we come to peace. And it's important that we note that this peace is not just an absence of conflict. Um, it can mean that, but it's a, more of a, a shalom uh, in the Hebrew, which means a wholeness or a completeness uh, resting in the Lord. Uh, it's so much more than just an absence of conflict. It's about it receiving that, that true comfort um, from God. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, this peace that, that passes all understanding, that dwells within us and is just waiting to be nurtured and grown. You know, a usual question that we ask people, and I've done it this morning, and the answers were exactly as I predicted they would be, where we ask the question, or we're asked the question, how are you doing? And 99.9% .9 of the time, the answer to that question is, fine, thanks, then it's followed with another question. How are you? And that's responded to with, I'm fine too, thanks. 99.9% .9 of the time. Now, I'm not a betting man, but I'd be willing to place a wager that people aren't fine 99.9% .9 of the time. If you are, then all power to you and uh, tell me your secret. I'm always mindful of seeing this picture of a, a, a beautiful swan, and it's just graceful on the top of the water. And I don't know if you have ever watched a swan just gracefully glide over the water. It's magnificent. I don't know if you've ever seen what happens underneath the water for it to be able to do that. Those feet are going at 100 miles an hour to be able to be so graceful over the water. And how many of us are a bit like that? You know, on the outside, I'm fine, thanks. But inside, it's churning away 100 miles an hour. We're far from that peace that passes all understanding. We're very far from fine. We're not feeling that shalom, that peace from God. Because there are things in life that, that come to steal away our, our joy and our life. Things that don't make us feel at peace with ourselves, with others, with, with the world, and with God. And there's usually two ways in which we respond to that as Christians. 
when we have those real struggles uh, with God. And the first one is that we might try and retrace our steps to a time where we had that mountaintop experience with God. You know, all throughout the scriptures, we read of these mountaintop experiences where people travel up a mountain, including our Lord Jesus, to get closer to God. And they have these amazing experiences of God. And we try and retrace our steps to a point where we were at peace with God. And maybe if I can just go back to that and do that again, then it might, I might get back into that place of peace. There's nothing wrong with looking to climb the mountain to, to have those experiences with God. But the second way of us is we might find ourselves in that valley that we can't get out of. We start questioning, where's God in this? And we start to, rather than retrace our steps to that mountaintop experience, we start walking further and further away from God. And we wonder why his voice is quieter and quieter and quieter. We might not be able to see God in that particular situation and we say, I've had enough. So we move forward without him. But in moving further and further away without him, we get even further and further away from the peace that he wants to offer us. And I wonder if you see any problem with either of those approaches that we normally take. Neither of them address the situation that you're currently in. If we look to try and retrace our steps and go back, then we're not focused on what is in front of us. If we look to go back to the, the valley and find ourselves and go, move further and further away from God, we're not dealing with the situation that we have currently. Life isn't perfect. Never, ever will be. But if we never, ever fully address our immediate struggles, then we can never move forward with God. In the Old Testament, there is a, a prophet named Habakkuk, and I love his short book. You can read it in about 15 minutes. It's not long. Very short book, but I love it. And the name Habakkuk actually means uh, to wrestle and to embrace. That's the meaning of, of his name, to wrestle and embrace. And that's exactly what Habakkuk does in his short book. He looks around the world. He sees that it is not quite the same fit in terms of what God had originally intended it to be, that it was broken. And even more than that, he looked around and he couldn't see where God was at work. Why is this happening to us? We've been faithful to you. And why is this happening to us? can't see God working anywhere, but he wrestles with God in that circumstance. He doesn't look to retrace his steps to a more spiritual time. He doesn't find himself in the valley looking to walk away from God. He tackles it head on. He wrestles with him. Where are you in this God? What's going on? And in that wrestling that he, he has with God, he gets to that ultimate conclusion that God is good, that God is at work, and that God loves him and his people. 
in that wrestling, he's able to embrace God and receive that peace. It's not that the situation has automatically changed, but Habakkuk's mindset and his ability to move forward throughout it with God's peace with him, that's what's changed. He didn't ignore the situation. He tackled it head on. And the thing is, that's what we need to do too. We neither go back to retrace our steps over something that was great in the past, or we don't look to, to move further and further away with God, but we tackle things head on and receive that peace that God wants to give us. Because there's one thing to pray prayers that have nice uh, flowery language. Ministers are good at that. We're good at the, the flowery language prayers. And we've learned all the big fancy words so we can throw them in and sort of look to try and be clever. But the thing is, it's definitely okay to wrestle with God in your prayers. To say, God, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening uh, to our world? Why is this happening to the person that I love? It's okay to do that. There are a number of examples of that in the Scriptures where people have tackled God head on and God is just waiting for that. There's a place for the, the flowery language prayers, but there's also a place for these ones that, that tackle and wrestle with the issues that are important to us and are important to God. You see, just like how Habakkuk needed to wrestle with God in that moment to, to get to that place of, of embracing God's love and, and peace, we too need to do that. And the thing is, we need to embrace the conclusion that we come to whenever we have a, a, a discussion or, a, or an argument. You know, there will be a conclusion to it. Um, and we need to embrace it whether we like it or not is, is maybe neither here nor there. Can't win every argument, no matter how hard we try. There are usually three conclusions that we might come to when we have this wrestle match with God in prayer. When we're wrestling with these things that are, that are in our lives, there are usually three conclusions. The first one is that we might come to the conclusion, and many have, uh, that God is not good at all. That God is not a good God. That he allows bad things to happen. That he has no power here. That's one conclusion. The second is that, that Satan is, is tempting us into a place of, of despair and taking us away from, from the peace of God. The third is that it might be our decisions or non-decisions that have contributed to the issues that we find ourselves in at that particular time. So let's look at the first one. That we might believe that God is not good at all. That might be the first conclusion that we come to. What do we think? I think we can say with all confidence that that is simply not true at all. That throughout the Scriptures, we read of a God who provides His assurances, His love, His promises to those who love Him. God is definitely a good God to those who love Him. 
And I'm pretty confident that we can dismiss this idea that God isn't good. And as we come to our passage that Leslie read out this morning from Isaiah, Isaiah is reminding himself and those who provide, he's providing this prophecy too, that we have a God who walks every step of our journey in life with us. In addition to God knowing us by name, in verse 2 we read, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. It's not that times of struggle won't happen. That these issues won't happen. It's just that God will be with us. He promises to be with us throughout them. You know, I say it all the time. But Christians aren't immune to the issues of this world. We are human beings. Our physical, our mental health isn't always 100%. We're not immune to these things. But God is with us. And earlier on in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, we have the promise of the, the Messiah, the, the, the Prince of Peace. God is promising that the Prince of Peace will be delivered to his people. And Isaiah had hope. He embraced the, the God who was a good God who would deliver on his promises. He believed that. He placed his faith and his hope in that. This promise of the Prince of Peace that would come. And the thing is, we live on the other side of that. You know, Isaiah had to wait. And ultimately, he actually never ever got to see the Prince of Peace. He never got to live in the world that's post-Jesus' resurrection. He never got to live in that world, but he believed. He had faith in a God who is good, who would deliver on his promises. And we live on that side, post-resurrection of Jesus, post-Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming to be with us and dwelling within us. We know for certain that we have a God who delivers on his promises. And I believe that's a good thing. We have a God who is good. So what about the second conclusion? That Satan is tempting us to despair. I don't know if any of you have read or watched the, the Harry Potter books or films. But there is a, a thing in those where they're not allowed to use the word Voldemort. They're not allowed to because bad things will happen if you mention his name. You have to say, he who shall not be named. And the thing is, they just don't talk about it. And the thing is, we can fall into that trap in the church too. But we don't want to talk about Satan, the enemy. We just forget. We'll not talk about it, then nothing bad will happen. You know, my favorite film is called Usual Suspects. And there's a character in that film called Verbal. And while he's being interrogated, he, he has this amazing line. And he says, the greatest trick 
the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he never existed. And that always stuck with me. The greatest trick. But you see, I come back to one of my favorite hymns, which is before the throne of God above. And there's a line in there that says, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. You might remember last week I spoke about Jesus and when he's speaking about himself as the, the good shepherd and he reminds them that he had come to bring them life in all its fullness, that they would have much joy filled with love and it's the thief that comes to steal away to steal life and joy away from, uh, from us and those around us. But Jesus wants us to have this life that's filled with joy, ultimately a life that is filled with much peace, a wholeness, a completeness, a resting in the Lord, but the thief only comes to steal. You know, when Satan tempts me to despair, you know, that little voice that, that nags away at us, just tempting us. I don't know if you've read the screw tape letters. That's the, that's the way it works. It's little things. They might even be true things. Half-truths. Just to get you thinking. Feeding our anxiety and our guilt. It'll maybe cause us to not have a, a restful sleep or or anywhere near that peace that, that God is wanting to give us. And we start to worry about things. Start to feel that there are things that we've maybe said or, or done, things that we maybe haven't said or, or haven't done that we should have. Maybe we didn't act when we should have done. That little voice saying, how could God love you? How could God love a person who acted like you did? Just trying to steal away that peace. Taking it brick by brick. Doesn't come in and completely smash it. Just one little thing at a time. And they all start to add up and then the wall comes down. But here's the next line from before the throne of God above. Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Jesus fixed it. So while we might be getting reminded of the, the things that we've said or done or not said or not done, God's love for us doesn't change. And no matter how much Satan wants to try and tempt us away from God, we say enough. Peace, be still, is what Jesus says. Be still. But that little voice that, that tempted or tried to tempt Jesus in the desert, why wouldn't it look to try and tempt us too? Each and every day. But the one who couldn't be tempted is the one that we need to keep our eyes fixed on. Jesus is the one that we should be looking to emulate, the one that we 
Luke to, to copy how he had this huge trust in his heavenly Father to deliver him and to give him that peace. A trust that the, the God that Isaiah speaks of is with Jesus and with us, whether it's in storms, whether it's in rivers, whether it is flames that are burning. Jesus had that trust in God that he would grant him this peace throughout whatever he had to go through, including going to the cross on our behalf. That third conclusion that I spoke about in terms of the decisions that we make or don't make, we might come to the conclusion that, that that's the problem. Because the thing is, we make decisions every single day of our lives. Some are like really plain and, and boring ones, just that get us from one step to the, to the next. A decision to get out of bed. You know, decision on whether you're going to have a cup of coffee or breakfast. Whether you're going to get dressed. However, there are other decisions that we make that will have an impact on, on ourselves and, and other people. Those are, those are bigger decisions that we need to make. And some of those decisions uh, are good decisions, and they'll bring in life and, and love and joy and peace. And then there's other decisions that we make that are bad decisions that affect people in a negative way. The thing is, if we make the decision to look at Jesus as our example, then and we try and become more and more like him each and every day, then I'm going to bet that we will make far more good decisions than bad. We'll never get it 100%. We're not perfect. We are human beings. But I'm going to imagine that we'll get more good decisions than bad when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We have a God who wants to provide us with love, joy, and peace, and all these other things that we're going to look at as we go through this series over the next few months. But we need to put our trust in our Heavenly Father in the way that Jesus did. And the thing is, how do we remind ourselves of a God who is a loving God, that we don't find ourselves in that valley, and we don't find ourselves wanting to, to kind of go back to another time, but actually be in the moment. Well, the thing is, there's lots of things that we do on a daily basis, things that we never really think about doing anymore. Um, but before we got to the point of not even having to think about doing certain things, we had to learn how to do them. If you think about tying your shoes, how difficult that was at the beginning, and now you probably don't, you don't even think about it. You just, you maybe don't even have to look. That's how good you are at tying shoes. You don't even have to look anymore. You might even be better and just don't bother getting shoes that, that you need to tie. You could just have slip-ons. But anyway, um, or how about driving a car? That was a nightmare at the beginning. Like proper nightmare. I was rubbish at it. Some would maybe argue, maybe still am. But, but I don't think about it as much now. 
Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't be admitting that. But anyway, you know, it's a natural thing. You know, you don't have to think. Oh, better put the clutch down and just—it's like a fluid movement. But you had to learn how to do it. It was something that became kind of just part of who you are. One day you didn't know how to do it. You learned how to do it, and you started to get better and better and better to the point where it just became a natural thing. <laughs> the thing is, there are things in our lives that, that we remember because they're significant, significant moments in our lives. And that's one of the reasons why I can remember what I had for an anniversary meal a couple of years ago. Because it's significant. You know, obviously my anniversary meal is significant for a number of reasons. But the, one of the main reasons that I can remember what I had a couple of years ago is because I had food poisoning after it. <laughs> That's how I remember. Because I spent all night and day thinking, what did I eat? What was it? And that's how I can tell you what I had. That's how I can remember what I had a couple of years ago for dinner, but couldn't tell you what I had on Tuesday. Can't even remember. Because <laughs> it was significant. Equally, at Christmas time there, I can remember uh, a wonderful card that I received. Remember the picture on the front? Because the message that was contained in it was, was, was amazing. And I needed it at the time. It was a real encouragement. And it was wonderful. And it was significant to me. But I couldn't tell you what came in the mail just even yesterday. I can't even think what, what came through the mail. But I remember what came back in December. Because it was significant. And I want to leave us with uh, something that we can do that will help us to, to remember. This isn't the same as going back to mountaintop experiences. But this is about one of the things that I do, and I'm not going to pretend that, that, that I do it every day and it's, you know, I'm writing screeds and screeds because I'm not. But one of the things that I do is I, I have a journal and I try and write something in it every day. And some days it's, it's longer, other days it's maybe just a word, something that is significant. You might have read something in, in the Bible or had a conversation with someone or, or something, and it was significant, and I write it down. And what that means is when I'm able to go back and read through some of it, it is amazing how many prayers have been answered, how many people's um, ex, you know, circumstances have changed, how, how I was feeling at that time and how I feel now as I'm able to go back and read over it. And I would encourage you to do that, just to write down something. And just like tying shoes, you might think, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. But I, I didn't think I could do it either. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And the thing is, just writing something, something you feel that God is, is speaking to you about, or something that you've read in the, in the Bible, or a conversation you've had, something that's on your heart or in your mind, just write it down. And then every so often, kind of go back and take a, a look over things and see that God has been at work 
in your circumstances and in your life, answering prayers. These things give me a massive encouragement to continue to put my trust in a God who is good, to battle Satan who is trying to tempt me into despair, and to keep my eyes fixed on our Lord Jesus, that I would maybe make more good decisions than bad. And I'm going to leave us with Jesus' words, which are far better than mine, from John's Gospel at chapter 14, where he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I did not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we, we, we do thank you that you are with us throughout our entire lives, that you are with us in the good times and you are there in the struggles. We pray that you would give us the, the strength and the encouragement to not retreat, but to tackle things head on, that we wouldn't allow the, the lies and half-truths of, of Satan to take us off our path with you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given us this peace. And we thank you that you do give, give to us, not as the world does. And Lord Jesus, would you continue to, to work within us Help us to receive that completeness and wholeness, that shalom, that we might rest in you. And in that resting, be encouraged to go and to tell the world about you. That more of your peace would reign here on earth. All this we ask in your precious name. Amen.